Hi, I'm Charles. And I'm you. And you're listening to Hold Me, I'm Scared. Welcome back to Hold Me, I'm Scared, where each week we pick out a fear and explore it. This week, we are talking about the woods. Ooh. How are you? Um, I'm currently caught on a whole bunch of cords is how I am. Um, listen, here's the thing. Woods, forests, let's start off with our rating. Do you think? I mean, like, I... Personally, the woods, I love them. Okay, I'm not scared of them. I've been in woods at night many times of day by myself. So I'm going to go with like a, a three. Yeah, you're not very afraid of the woods. I'm, well, you know me. I love to listen to true crime mm-hmm. and watch true crime. And so I'm aware of shit that goes down in the woods. Also, like, to be honest, not... Not entirely convinced that Bigfoot isn't real. Um, oh, me neither. I mean, it's very plausible. Look, I maybe it's just that I want the magic alive. Um, but yeah, I would say mine's a little higher, right? Because I'm smaller, easier to kill. Uh, so I think mine's probably like a like a a four point mm. five eight seven. Four point five eight seven. I mean, I'm maybe I put my like a three point five, but only because like at nighttime, you know, I don't have night vision in my eyes, and I well, you can see you can see. Not if it's really dark, and the moon oh. is hidden. What are you gonna see, Bailey? Well, like, I thought what? you were saying that like you're black, like you're black at night. No. You're just I'm, saying, like, you don't have the capability to see in the I dark. I don't have the capability, like some animals, to see extremely well in the dark. I, I mean, I know you do, because you're the creature who crawled out of the thickets of the woods, and that's how we became friends. You know, backstory. I met Bailey in the woods, and she crawled out from her cave. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at that cute little creature. And then... She showed me her teeth, and ever since then, we became best friends. I don't show everyone my teeth. That's a privilege. Only oh, for the privileged. You know how I feel about teeth. <laughs> so I have uh, the facts and figures this week. Um, so there are two different. Okay, there are two different like phobias that I found when I was researching this. So there's the fear of. Okay. Both the woods and like forests and wooded objects. And it's called xylophobia. And wooded objects? Like things like, made out of wood? Yes. Yeah, so, like, some mm-hmm. people with xylophobia like won't eat with like wooden utensils, won't sit on wooden chairs. They can't eat popsicles because of the like. Because of the stick. Yes. Huh. Apparently, it's a thing and it's the same thing. It falls under the umbrella of people that are afraid of, like, the woods. I mean, catch me chewing on that popsicle stick like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. I was always afraid. I had this, like, vivid image when I was a kid of a popsicle stick splintering and getting stuck in my gums. I just always thought that was going to happen to me. Yeah, that would be bad, but, I mean, that doesn't stop me (laughs) from really gnawing on it, like, till it becomes... I'm like, I can't chew on this anymore. It's just like a it's mulch in my mouth. So I should stop that. Disgusting. Oral fixation problems. Anybody else? Anybody else like to chew on lots of things? Even people. Um, I, I liked to chew on aglets when I was a kid. From your shoes? Uh, yeah, or like if I had like a Were you a still hoodie. wearing the shoes? Oh. No. Just, just, just like like a cat, just pop it up and just start. I'm chewing on your aglets. Yeah. Oh my um, god. I liked, and I loved. Okay, do you know what's the best thing to chew on? Polly Pocket clothes. <laughs> or silly putty. Ew, you. Now that's that's disgusting. <laughs> no, it's so nice. It's chewy. I, I hate that. 
<laughs> I don't know why. Because it's so gross. Did you ever try it? No, because then it's I don't want to hear it. No. There's like many things that I don't need to try to like. It's know. like gum, but a bit tougher. It's just it's like it's chemicals. You're just chewing on like coagulated chemicals. That I don't so know what silly thing is made of either. Um, I do know that Play-Doh was originally like a, a wallpaper paste to like get wallpaper to stick I think and it's made out of wheat like gluten um but now they've since developed like a gluten-free version for people who are like intolerant to it um you like to eat play-doh well yeah like kids who might not know they have celiac or things like that but um it's yeah play-doh I love the smell of play-doh and the smell of the woods both equally as pleasurable honestly yes i i am not a fan of the smell of play-doh uh, ah! i it just smells like salt to me it's just nothing special oh my gosh like do you remember that bath bomb when we both worked at lush oh my god what was it called pearl oh, yeah. de sel pearl de sel okay but see that one didn't smell like play-doh to me it did to me that it was my selling like point to me and they told me to stop saying that to people yeah, because you're a freak, and most people don't love this Play-Doh. Most people don't want to bathe in it. So there's another phobia associated with the woods or forest, and it's specifically a phobia of forests at nighttime. That's a good one. And it's called a nyctahylophobia, I think. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've only read it. Um, but there is an article... Um, on fearof.net uh, called Fear of Forests at Night, Nyctahylophobia, and it's by Jacob Olison. From that article, according to a survey conducted in 1999, nearly 18% of people admitted to the fear of dark wooded areas, while 41% reported that they would not want to venture alone or spend a night in a forest. To an extent, the fear of forests at night is also more common in women than men, end quote. Both xylophobia and uh, nyctahylophobia have many characteristics of common phobias like anxiety, obsessive thoughts, and irrational avoidance. Um, like I said, people with xylophobia will be on a spectrum anywhere from refusing to sit on wooden chairs, sleep on beds that have a wooden bed frame, eat on wooden plates, uh, to people who are just afraid of forests and like will not go into a forest. Both of these phobias respond well to a variety of treatments, including cognitive behavioral therapy, meditation, and exposure therapy. Go touch that tree. <laughs> Sit on that wooden chair. Uh, the, the second one, it makes sense to be afraid of the woods at night, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't, we're not, there's a reason that humans have houses and we built... <laughs> <laughs> places you have a to, house? To, um, no, but places to take shelter from, you know, because we we don't last, we don't last too long just out there on our own. You're first, right? I am first. Hi, listeners. This is Charles. This is a trigger warning to let you know that my next story that I tell deals heavily with the topic of suicide. So if that is something that is too triggering or very uncomfortable to listen to, please feel free to skip ahead. Um, the timestamp for when my story ends and when Bailey's begins is going to be listed in the show notes and show description. And if you are going through a rough time right now and you are really struggling with suicidal thoughts, the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. Also, there is a crisis text line that you can text HOME to 741-741. So if you are looking to skip forward, please go ahead and pause the podcast at this time. So yes, I did Aokigahara Forest. A Aokigahara Forest. It's... Yeah, it's also known simply as um, Jukai 
or just as most of us know it, the suicide forest, which I mean, so listen, Mount Fuji, we love, we stand. Um, it is on like the uh, outskirts of Mount Fuji and it is 12 square miles big. So she's like the size of a small, no, she's, I mean, just a town. She's the size of a whole, whole town, really. My sources are Wikipedia and a Vice video. Mount Fuji, once upon a time, a long time ago, erupted and it had a whole bunch of lava that cooled down around it and uh jukai became eventually a whole like thick dense because i mean listen there is a lot of like nutrients and lava rock and soil um volcanic soil that just allows a lot of plants to thrive so it is quite a different forest because not only does the porous lava rock um provide a lot of like sound absorption like snow does um because it has a lot of like holes in it for air and sound to just be trapped in so it does provide um an ear like an eerie feeling throughout the whole forest because it's just quieter um but they do say that mount fuji is kind of like a sleeping volcano so at any moment she could just, just erupt again. Yeah. Um, which is not a good thing, necessarily. Also, did you know that it's, like, just mostly a theory of what's at the center of the Earth? No one really knows. Well, I guess no one's ever been there. No. Well, you have, but you won't tell. So, Jukai, um, the suicide forest, is also known as the Sea of Trees because it is so thick. And um, when you are up, like, halfway up Mount Fuji and you look out, it does look like a sea of trees very pretty um in the winter time there are caves because of the um large there are only caves in the winter well no i what i meant to say is there are a lot of caves from the lava rock and in the winter the ice goes down into the caves and makes very pretty like ice caves which is not like a usual thing so it makes for nice Ah. tourist attractions since the forest is so dense and so thick and so big i'm sorry so so thick and big um people often use plastic tape or ribbon or string to mark their way in and out so it's very easy to get lost so people use that plastic tape like think caution tape kind of thing to find their way back out um some of the interesting flora and fauna besides like the normal like rabbits squirrels birds deer we all know they love a forest um insects there are the asian black bear the japanese mole and the japanese mink which are notable and some boars i did read but we're not here to talk about the flora and the fauna we're here to talk about the suicides um which before we get into that bailey i was gonna ask you doing a surprise round of would you rather okay so would you rather this is this one's easy live in the woods like you have a house and everything like wi-fi a store nearby okay. um but so would you rather in the woods yeah would you rather live in the forest or live by the ocean uh oh i would rather that's actually kind of a tough one because by instinct my gut reaction is to say the forest because i really like plants and like I love camping, but I also really like warm weather, and I like swimming. Well, I think I should just go with my gut and say the forest, as long as it's not, like, cold. Yeah, I think I would go with forest if it weren't cold. I mean, I, I listen, I would love to live by the ocean, but I feel like that's a lot more just, like, stormy, windy, disastrous weather than inside of the woods. Um, okay. <laughs> Okay, we do one episode in which people get shipwrecked and now all of a sudden you're afraid of the ocean. Um, 
Would you rather be a spirit guide to long... Okay, so this is your afterlife, right? So would you rather be a spirit guide in the woods to guide lost souls to where they're supposed to go or become a tree? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Am I like a sentient tree? No, you're not a sentient tree. Spirit guide. Okay. I also would choose to be a spirit guide, even though being a tree, I mean, it's a pretty tree. You know, but you don't, you don't know. You're not. Okay. Well, I made up these questions. So a pretty tree. Okay. It's either you're a gorgeous tree. No, I mean, but as the tree, you wouldn't have the consciousness to appreciate your own You get to be, do like tree things like wave in the wind and. For like a hundred years, those things never die. Yeah, but it's nice. Um, so would you rather go three days with one hour prep to survive in the wood woods for a million dollars or 30 minutes to prep for four days, but you get $50 million. 30 minutes for four days for $50. If I can prep no, in no, an $50 hour. $50 million. Yeah. What did I say? $50. <laughs> I might do it for that too. <laughs> You're like, well, I could get a million dollars in an hour of prep, but I guess. $50 I'll stick, is good. I'll stick to 50 bucks. Um, no, for, yeah, I meant 50 million. Yeah, because if I can prep in an hour, I can prep in 30 minutes. I, what do you really need? You need like a tin of beans, a knife, and uh, a fighting spirit. No. The most important thing you need is to find drinkable water. Oh, I don't... I don't need water to live. Oh, you don't need water to live? Okay, well, yeah. as a human, I would. What do you um, think I am? A tree? We just said I'm not. <laughs> um, well, personally, this is one of my... I think I would choose... Like, we have a lot of information at our disposal. 30 minutes to prep. Oh, if you can, you can use, like, Google. You can be at the store and use your phone. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Dude, I'll do it in 10 minutes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ten minutes is really pushing it. Um, okay, so would you rather battle the Hansel and Gretel witch, but you're a child, or you're an adult, but you have to battle Hansel and Gretel, who are witches, and the original witch? <laughs> In this hypothetical situation, the Hansel and Gretel have teamed up with the, with witch. the witch that tried to cook them. Right, so this is like, what do you think you have better chances with? You're either an adult and you got to battle three witches, Mm -hmm. or you're a child, but you only have to battle one witch. Are they, like, magical witches? Like, I mean, what's the potency of... They're they're not good. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're magical, they eat people so they're practicing that they're good right. with like luring people in with candy i mean they have powers for sure what those powers are we're not exactly sure definitely not like the jessica chastain movie i got like a magic level of potency they're like a six i was a very scrappy child i mean hey if gretel could take on just the witch as a child I think I could do it. I th- I'm going to go with me- with child versus witch. I think I would too. Because you, you as a child, I've seen the pictures. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I don't know that I have a chance against three witches. But you're much stronger now. You were you were such a soft, sweet little boy. Yeah. I was. Like I think Hansel. you would kill with much less hesitation. <laughs> As I, I mean, I honestly, my, you're right. I, I probably would have more of a chance battling the three potency level six witches. Because who knows? That might be when I discover that I have magical powers. Um, when fight or flight kicks in, the suicide forest is the second place in the world for the highest amount of suicides. Can you guess the first? Golden Gate Bridge. <gasps> Ooh, she got it. Oh my gosh, I was even going to give you a hint. I know things. Um, the stats of Jukai in 2002, there were 78 found bodies. 
2003, there were 105 bodies found. And in 2010, they said there were 200 or a little more than like 200 attempts, but 54 confirmed. And these are just confirmed. So like really interested in this advice, like little documentary piece. There is a man named Azusa Hayano. He is a environmental protectionist and like volcanic studier. (laughs) I can't think of the word. Um, But he is like the softest spoken sweet little man you'll ever meet in your entire life and he kind of takes it upon himself to if he finds people who are or might be contemplating suicide he will talk to them and he said he's been able to convince quite a like at least one um i'm sure he's done a lot more but one that he talked about he convinced him to just go back home and like keep living his life and uh, he's very sweet he said he's learned like too much about the signs of um suicide that he finds but he did note that suicide in japanese culture he says was originally very for um like the samurais and it was seen as more of like the quote-unquote honorable death and if they were experiencing too much pain then their buddy would chop off their head um which is crazy um but now he says it's because people can't adapt to society and that's really sad for him um to think about because society is a lot harder and originally this forest kind of got its name from the poorer families around the area who would take this is kind of crazy would take the elderly people and their family like the elderly woman and leave them there in the woods to starve and die because they were just one extra mouth to feed and they're already like basically on their way out so It'd just be easier to just leave them there and dehydrate and die. Um, So they, a lot of people who believe in like the lore of the ghosts who haunt the woods think that those are like the original spirits who kind of, when people go there who are troubled and struggling with everyday life, those are the spirits that kind of like lead them to just ending their life. Um, Nowadays, in the woods, there are... The government has really tried to prevent death by suicide um, for a while because it is so prevalent, especially in those forests. And so they put security cameras at the entrances, hoping to deter people like kind of like they're being watched so they'd be less apt to do it or um signs and like blocked off roadways because it is easy to get lost in there too Uh, but there is a sign that does say your life is a precious gift from your parents please think about your parents siblings and children don't keep it to yourself and talk about your thoughts and then leaves information for the suicide prevention association so um azusa said that the locals are not the people who usually go into the forest because they are uh, taught as kids to be like very fearful of the forest and just not go in, don't even mess with it. It's not a good place to go. Um, We just, we don't go there. Um, And he says in his 20 years there, he, he himself personally has found probably about a hundred bodies which is a lot for one person um it's a lot to find just one think of finding that a hundred times over so there are abandoned tents a lot of the time and just abandoned items um food and camping supplies and clothes and 
he surmises that people who go in to the woods and they have a tent and they have supplies, they're still contemplating whether they should do it or not. And he always hopes that when he finds empty tents that they just decided not to and they just left. Um, he says, if you're determined, you'll just come in and do it. So there are two important books about Jukai. One is called Kuroi um, Jukai in 1960, where Matsumoto, the author, he wrote about like a brokenhearted lover who goes into Jukai to end their life. And the other book, which I can't even... Kind of crazy that it even exists. It was released in 1993. It's called um, The Suicide Manual. The Complete Manual of Suicide, actually, um, by Watoro Surumi. Um, He, I mean, really goes into it and talks about, like, the 11 categories, including, like, overdose, hanging, self... uh, I had to look this one up. self defend defenestration yeah, yeah like throwing yourself out a window yeah um cutting car crash electrocution whole bunch of stuff um and he talks about like the pain level and the effort to prepare the appearance of like how you'll look afterwards and how much it will disturb others and it's like a rating of like one to five skulls each way is like I'm, I guess, like, the higher the skull, the more awful it is. Um, he said that he wrote it and, like, out of a way to just kind of explore suicide, but he said, I never intend, like, to encourage my readers to commit it. Like, he, I guess, just wanted to make, like, the information available because people are going to search it out anyway if they want to. Um, but the Japanese, like, censorship really only censors, like, sexual kind of, um, scenes and, like, media, so they didn't censor it, and it sold, like, one million copies. So, I found that extremely interesting. Azusa, he has found quite a few bodies with that manual, which is also really sad. Um, He says that he um, believes that people nowadays have a lot more cause to stay inside and not have human interaction. He believes that even though like we can have, we can have like meaningful like video chats and things like that, he thinks that human interaction like face-to-face is extremely important, even if it's just like a stranger or being out like at a store, it's vital to have human to human interaction. And he believes that nowadays, because of things like the video games and computer, um, the importance of being together with people is not as vital as it once was. And there even is a scene where he walks up to a tent, because a lot of tents he walks up to are just empty. And he walks up to a yellow tent and there's a person in there and he's like, hey, um, you can't camp here, but, and the person's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he's like, it's okay. Like, um, I would just go out this way because that's like the easiest way to go out. But like, are you doing okay? Like, are you? And he's like the sweetest man. Like just the way he talks is very like soft. And he said to the person that we could hear. Um, he said, I hope you're okay. And, you know, just take time and try to think positive. And it was really nice meeting you. And the person was like, it's, yeah, nice meeting you too. And then he walked away and he was like, I mean, you know, that's really all you can do. You can't force people to make decisions. So um, all you can do is just be kind to them. There are temples in the forest of Buddhist monks who try to kind of like keep evil at bay and like I said earlier they believe that either from the people who were like the elderly people who were abandoned there before or um, a combination of the people who have died by suicide are are the ones who are 
kind of like pulling people in. And when you do go there and you are struggling, they kind of weigh heavily on you. And like that, and, this, this spirit, like encourage. Yes, like encourage you those, to do it. Like negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. And there is even a monk who holds um, like workshops for people who are feeling suicidal. And he asks them to write as if they were just diagnosed with cancer or a terminal illness and what they would and write down like what they would do if they had three months left to live and then what they would do if they had three weeks left to live and then a week left to live and then 10 minutes left to live and he says by the time they get to the end most people have really realized that they um, would like to have more to do in their life or you know, is is just very like cathartic for them because they feel like somebody is listening. That kind of matches what Azusa was saying is sometimes it just really takes somebody listening to you and just somebody like giving you the time to explain why you're hurting so much. So I do have my final thoughts about the forest. Um there there are hundreds of myths and lore about why there are so many suicides in this forest, why it calls to so many people, because it is a great amount of people each year. And I do think it's strange. There's a lot of peace to be had in the woods. And so I get why it might be like an attractive place since it is so beautiful there to just kind of spend your last moments. Um, I don't think that there are any like demons or monsters that are killing people or convincing people I do think like once people there was like a larger group of death by suicides there that kind of would attract people to just go there viewing it as an escape and a place to do it you know what I mean so like the more people that do it the more people would want to go there I do think it's it is very sad that it is so prevalent in our world for us like all needing a place to or like feeling like we need to escape our daily life and my kind of like final notion with it is it's definitely okay not to be okay I mean you're talking you're listening to two people who have definitely gone through a lot of not okay things and have been in very dark places but we find ways and we keep continuing to try to make beautiful things out of our pain and our misfortunes at times so yes you have some woods and forests that you discovered I have a wooded area (laughs) um so mine's like a a mystery a murder mystery very different um and this is the story of who put bella in the witch elm have you heard of this before it's kind of infamous okay so my sources were a BuzzFeed unsolved video called the creepy quandary of who put bella in the witch elm wikipedia a Medium article by Liz Jin, a CrimeReads.com article by Amber Hunt and Emily G. Thompson. So our story starts on April 18th in 1943. So four teenage boys, Bob Hart, Tom Willits, Fred Payne, and Bob Farmer are sneaking around the woods at Hagley Hall. I think it's actually Hagley, at Hagley Hall. Um, and that's it's an estate that's in um, a rural area of Worcestershire, England. <laughs> we love your sauce. And so they're in they're in Hagley Woods, and they're looking for bird eggs, um, because and which is like a pretty common thing for teenage boys to do during that time because um, it was during World War Two, so every family received like really small rations of food. So to like supplement the meals, a lot of boys would go egg hunting, look for animals and game as well. Um, so as they're doing this, they come across a large witch elm tree um, with a hollow in it. And Bob Farmer climbs up to look inside and he sees something white, thinking like that he probably found like a bird's nest with an egg in it. So he puts his hand in and pulls it out. But what he pulls out is a human skull with <laughs> stringy brown human hair <laughs> attached oh <my> to God. it. <laughs> so... Not quite what he was looking for. Um, And the boys all, like, freak out because they're trespassing and they don't want to get in trouble. So they, like, quickly put it back and just leave and agree that they're never going to tell anybody about what they found. Um, But the youngest boy, Tom Willits, 
starts to feel really guilty about it. And not long after he gets home, he tells his father, who goes to the police. So the police search Hagleywood, and uh, they find in the tree uh, a nearly complete skeleton. And they also find some bones nearby. Uh, they find a woman's cardigan, skirt, shoes, and a cheap, simple wedding band as well. And so inside the mouth of the skeleton was a piece of taffeta fabric, which led medical examiner Professor James Webster to believe that the cause of death was probably suffocation. So this tree, the opening of the hollow in which the bones were found, is at places um, sometimes as small as 17 inches in width. Uh, so Webster was like, it would have been impossible for someone to willingly climb in there um, because it would have been incredibly painful the way that you would have to like manipulate yourself to get in. And also she would have had to be placed there before rigor mortis set in. So she must have been placed right. there like uh, soon after her death. So he declares it a murder. The skeleton belonged to a woman who was around five feet tall. She's about 35 years old at the time of her death, um, which was believed to be about eight months, 18 months prior to when they found the skeleton. So that puts her murder at about October of 1941. Her teeth were super distinct. So she had a tooth pulled and she had crooked front teeth and an irregular lower jaw. Um, so uh, they the police went to their missing persons files and it didn't match any description of any of the people in the files. And then they went and contacted dentists throughout the country um, in England, but no one claimed to recognize the super distinctive <laughs> set of teeth. Um, so then the police go to the public. They release a description of the woman and the clothing that they found with her, but no one ever came forward to say that they recognized her. And uh, this was like a pretty small town where she was found. Kind of everybody knows everybody, like a really like tight right. community, but no so one. Why didn't anyone know? Who she yeah, was? no one claimed to know her, and so the case grows cold. So then that winter, graffiti stating. Who put Bella down the witch elm, Hagley Wood, is found written um, high up on a wall in Upper Dean Street in Birmingham. So because the graffiti was so high, the police know that it's not like a kid pulling a prank. Then soon after, more graffiti appears on a house on Hayden Hill Road that said, Who put Lubella down the witch elm? And the handwriting of the graffiti matched, so it's the same person. And then in August of the following year, about a year after they found the remains, more graffiti appears that says um, Hagley Wood Bella was found opposite Rose and Crown Hasbury. And that was found in two places in neighborhood, neighboring towns. And all of the writing matched throughout all of the graffiti. <laughs> so creepy. I know. So then the police thinking like this may be the killer taunting them. Um, they start requesting information from anyone who might know of a missing Bella or Lou Bella. And the woman whose remains they found comes to like commonly be known as Bella. Even still, no one comes forward with any leads, which is just crazy. Yeah. Especially, I think it's also crazy that some woman was shoved in a tree. Yes. That is not a common murder, get rid of body spot. Yeah. It's so weird. Like, I've never heard of that before. In a tree. Inside <laughs> in of a tree. tree. Like inside of the... And they climbed the tree. Yeah. Look, you can look at pictures of what it looks like. It's just like... It's like super brambly and there are tons of like thin, like sharp branches. Like it must... It would have taken like concentrated effort to put this body in a tree. Right. It's you have really to like weird. carry it up the tree. Yeah. But it's also like... It's just... It's also... Okay. So then flat... The case remains unsolved. So 10 years later, in 1953, the police finally find the person responsible for the graffiti. Um, and But it turns out that he's just some, like, kooky guy who had nothing to do with the murder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the police are, like, sure of that, that he had nothing to do with the murder. So the case remained and remains to this day unsolved. 
What? Yes, but we do have some theories, and they are wild, dude. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're going to like this one. So, in 1945, anthropologist Margaret Murray hypothesized that Bella's, I will refer to her as Bella, because, like, that's just the name. Right. That is like she's known as. Um, so she, Margaret Murray hypothesized that Bella's death was the result of a human sacrifice as part of a ritual related to witchcraft. So oh. the the bones belonging to one of Bella's arms and her hand were found scattered nearby. They weren't in the tree with her. Um, so Murray suggested that this was an example of an occult ceremony known as the Hand of Glory, in which, like, a forearm and hand are severed. Additionally, some occult ritualistic legends uh, involve the entombment of a witch in a tree. Apparently, this is the way that a lot of people believe you should bury a witch um, to trap her spirit and stop her oh. from, like, wreaking havoc after yeah, her death. inside the tree. Yeah. Um, the tree. And there were, like, rumors of covens operating in the area surrounding Hagleywood. Um, so Murray posited that Bella was maybe a witch who was executed for crimes against her own coven. Like, her coven killed oh, her. Yeah. Um, That's a lot more interesting. Yes. I don't think it's true. <laughs> yeah. But it is interesting. I think people, like, love to, like, say it's, like, Satan worshippers or witchcraft. But it never is. It literally never is. It never is. is, Because they're literally just all people who are, like, lighting candles and just being like, we love nature. Like, it's not... It's never, never what you think it is. I I do feel bad that this poor girl was just shoved in a tree. Like, hopefully it wasn't when she was all alive. Like, hopefully she was dead by then. Um... It is believed that she she was. She was at the very least, like, completely incapacitated because if she had, like, any ability to move, it would have basically been impossible to put her in, in the tree the way that the hollow was and, like, how small right. the opening was. I mean, it is kind of entertaining to think that, especially if she was, like, uh, like let's say the coven of witches who just like your normal nature worshiping wishes and she decided to get all dark and crazy and they were like look we gotta, we put gotta you in put a tree, you in a tree. <laughs> right <laughs> she's lost her mind we gotta put her in a tree mm. i was gonna say i hope to one day i'll be putting well okay but for real though uh, you know what i told You're my mom powerful. about that today we gotta put you in a tree. i told my mom that if i ever died before her that i want to be buried in one of those tree pods so that i can Maybe. like Right. And then she was like, Charles, I don't want to talk about that. That's disgusting. Like, I don't wait. She never wants to talk about that. And I'm like, Mom, it How can happen. It's weird that your mother doesn't want to talk about you passing away before she well, does. I guess what I know. It's not so thing. strange. Um, but it, it's just important to note. And then she said, I would probably just like keep you in an urn and always have you with me. And I was like, don't keep me in an urn. Please, don't, I want to be a tree. Me in an urn. If your mom keeps you in an urn, I'm going to have to like break into her house and steal your ashes <laughs> so I can free into, them. Put it into a, a tree pot. So I can put it in a tree pot. Transplant it into a forest. That's what he would have wanted. He wanted to be right next to Bella. Um, <laughs> okay, so 953, something pretty weird happens. A letter is sent to the police. And it's signed by a woman named Anna. And this is a quote from the letter. Hmm. It says, quote, you will never solve the mystery. The one person who could give the answer is now beyond the jurisdiction of earthly courts. The affair is closed and involves no witches, black magic, or moonlight rites. Much as I hate having to use a nom de plume, I think you would appreciate if you knew me. The only clues I can give you are that the person responsible for the crime died insane in 1942, and the victim was Dutch and arrived illegally in England about 1941. I have no wish to recall any more. What? Yes. <laughs> Wild. I love that, like, is beyond the earthly jurisdiction. Like, they're dead, man. So, like... And also, that too, like, 
I hate that I have to use a nom de plume, but if you knew who I was, you'd appreciate it. Yeah, I don't. What? I don't know. It's so weird. Okay. It's Bella. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bella. They took her out of the tree. <laughs> now she's she's powerful. It's Bella Swan, the real Bella Swan. Okay, but they figure out who Anna is, the person oh. who wrote the letter, and Queen it gets Elizabeth. more wild from there. So. It's a woman named Una Massa, and they bring her in to the station for questioning. And he tells police that her ex-husband, Jack Massa, had confessed to her and other family members. So basically, he was a member of a spy ring, and he was out with a Dutchman whose name was Von Waltz, and, and the woman who had died. So the three of them are all involved in like the same spy ring, and they go out together. And there's, there's two different stories about what happens. So one is that the woman, we'll call her Bella, is that Bella gets, like, wasted at the bar and passes out. And as, like, a fun joke, Jack and Von Raltz put her in the tree while she's passed out drunk. And then she, like, couldn't get, obviously, she couldn't get out, and that's how she passed away. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, a prank that went awry and then the other story is that Von Raltz and Bella were together uh, and they pick up Jack in their car and then Von Raltz and Anna or sorry not Anna and then Von Raltz and Bella at one point get into an argument and Von Raltz strangles her and like because they're spies they can't just like go to the authorities they're spying on them so they shove her in the tree hmm so those are the two stories that have circulated about, like, what Una told the police. Right. Basically, it comes down to spy trio, Von Ralt killed Bella, Jack knew about it. Jack then, uh, it said that he had nightmares, like, constantly after that. And he would have dreams that he, a woman, like, standing by a tree in his dreams and wake up, like, terrified. Uh, eventually he was uh, committed to an asylum and he died in the hospital uh, before the body was ever found. Um, so it seems pretty unlikely um, because so Una didn't come forward with so Jack had already died before they ever found the body and Una didn't come forward with this until 10 years after the body was found. So it's like why did you wait so long? Yeah. Obviously. Why yeah. Did you say it after he died? Why did you send this letter under a different name? It's just kind of hinky. Um, right. It's but a good story, but like. There may be some facts that actually back it up. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's a roller coaster ride. Okay. So, after hearing about this letter, which claimed that the woman was. Dutch, an author named Donald McCormick decides that he's just going to go to Holland and figure out if there's any truth to this. Of course. <laughs> so I don't know how this dude found out this much information, but he, he was like an excellent digger because he found that there was a man who worked um, for not like Nazi espionage. And his job was to recruit spies that would be based in Britain. And his name was Lair. Okay. Lair had a girlfriend who had lived in Birmingham in the 1930s, which meant that she would have had a lot of knowledge of England. Mm -hmm. And she lived um, in, like, the general area where all of this stuff went down. And that she had the ability to speak without a noticeable Dutch accent. So... The author, McCormick, also claims that he found records that state that in March and April of 1941, five German spies were sent from Holland to England. One of the spies was a woman with the codename Clara, and she parachuted from a plane over the same area that Hagley Wood is located in. Oh. And that was her entry point into England. However... She never reported after landing and was labeled missing in action. Huh. But where was her parachute? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the so they think that 
because remember this was in 1941 and she died she did die in the fall of that mm -hmm. year so the timing this ha the these spies are supposedly just deployed in the spring so they think maybe like something to this theory is like maybe something nefarious happened to her. Maybe either the timeline is off or something nefarious happened to her like in a, like when she landed, but she wasn't killed until the fall. So we don't exactly know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then this dude, this author, McCormick, he also locates a former Nazi named Franz Rathgen, who was in hiding in an entirely different country. Who is this guy? Like, come on. Um, and Franz tells him, uh, he, he, he verifies that Clara did exist and gives him a, a description of her. And um, this description did bear similarities to the woman that was found in the witch elm. Okay, so on top of all of that, there is an MI-15 declassified file about a man named Josef Jacobs, who was a German spy who parachuted into Cambridgeshire in 1941, when all this stuff happened. But when he landed, he broke his ankle and was caught and arrested by English police. Okay. Hmm. So in his possessions, there was a photo of a woman that he claimed to be his lover, a German cabaret singer and actress named Clara Bowerly. Okay. <laughs> so, you following? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, now there's another so now there's they found a file. There was another spy landed in England, broke his ankle. He gets caught in his possessions is a photo of a woman named Clara. And he says, "That's my girlfriend." He also says she was being trained as a spy and that she had parachuted into England over Hagley Wood. But Girl. was never heard from never again. Never heard of because she got socked in a tree. Also, I just keep thinking before you go, just like the unfortunate, like if somebody did drop from a plane into a tree. Just you like, just land directly into the tree. But don't you think also the tree would have be like obliterated? I don't know. Maybe not. Um. Yeah. Well, okay. So what she was found wearing, like it wouldn't have made sense. It, I don't think the theory is that she like just... <laughs> dropped into this like 17 inch wide opening from a plane because uh, she was wearing like a matching like sweater and like skirt set and like crepe sold shoes so it's more like something happened to her that prevented her from reporting like after she landed and then she was later killed <laughs> okay the, there's more to this though right so however there has never been any evidence found that Clara Bowerly was parachuted into England. Just this dude saying something about it. Right. And several witnesses. So Clara Bowerly was like a real person, but we don't know for sure if she was a spy. And there's no record of her ever being parachuted to England. And several people that knew Clara described that she was about 5'10". But Bella in the Witch Elm was 5 feet tall. So that's like a pretty huge discrepancy. Oh, yeah. And then, in September of 2016, records were uncovered which stated that Clara Bowerley had died in a Berlin hospital on the 16th of December in 1942, a year before the remains were found. Okay, so it can't be her, because her, her But I wanted else. to be so bad. I know, because like, that would have been, like, the answer of her just being socked into a tree. And, like, so why, and, like, why no one knew her? Why no dentist recognized this, like, super distinctive... Dental right, work. because like, she wasn't from there. Yes, and because she was a spy. And then, like, no one would claim her, right? Because right. she was a spy, so, like, no one's going to, like, be like, hey, um, the Nazis are going to be like, by the way, have you found one of our spies right. <laughs> near Hagley Wood? Uh, it would have made so much sense and, like, just been wild. Okay. But, yes, probably not. Um, so, the... Uh, one other theory. So in August of 2014, um, a Radio 4 program uh, broadcast their host, uh, Steve Punt, and he states that um, one possible victim was a sex worker who was reported to the police in 1944. Um, 
So basically, a, a sex worker went to the police and she reported that her friend, who was also a sex worker, named Bella, who worked on Hagley Road, had disappeared about three years previously, which makes it 1941, the year that the woman who was found in the tree was murdered. But this suggests, like, okay, if it was a, a woman named Bella, in fact it was, that's what would suggest that the person who was writing the graffiti knew the victim, and the police were sure that the person writing the graffiti had nothing to do with it. Right. So or did he? But did he? I don't know. I literally couldn't find, like, any information on him except that the police said, like, they called the him a... like, not credible. Yeah, the police called him a crank. Which a I think crank. it just like translates to like a like a like an idiot or something. Yeah, just like a, like a weirdo, basically. I think I don't know. British people come for me. Yeah, what's uh, a crank. What's a we crank? know it as something to like uh, like a apparatus to. I don't know. Move or like things. a cranky person, like a like a grumpy person. But I think it's yeah. probably more in, like relation to like a oh, weirdo. Okay, so. The other theories that are like also probably the more likely ones is that she might have just been a woman who was attacked during an air raid siren. Um, and that would make it really difficult for people to hear her screaming. So basically it was just like a, a, an act of violence in which like a woman might have been like dragged into the woods and murdered. That's sad. <laughs> I know. Um, and that no one knew about it because you... Because you, of the sirens, the, yeah. Yeah, the sirens and, like, the, the bombs. Like, you wouldn't hear. Um, another theory is that she was a vagrant, um, and that was why, like, she was... Um, you knew about her. Yeah. Because she yeah, was. exactly. Is that, like, she she might not have been housed, she might not have had a family, and that's why, like, no one came forward to report, yeah, or, like, no one said they recognized her. to go to the her. dentist. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, like, I don't think that, like, teeth problems were super rare at that time in England. But, like, you know, she had, like, her two teeth on, like, her bottom jaw were, like, crossed in front of each other. Which, actually, mine are. Maybe I'm her reincarnation. Mine are, too, though. I have jacked up bottom teeth. But, yeah, to this day, we still don't know who we put Bella in the, in the witch, the witch elm. elm. Huh. Wild. That is my story. Stay out of the woods. You might find a body. You might. Um, especially depending on where you go. Um, Bella, if you're out there, give us a call. Um, who put you in the witch elm? Who put Bella in the witch elm? I want to know. It's driving me crazy. Because, like, I... Oh, just during my research, I just looked up so many theories. And I really wanted it to be spies. Yeah, I mean, in mine, I really wanted it to be some, like big talked about malevolent monster apparently in like the black forest um something about like giant snails that kill people but i couldn't find anything credible on that that's why i switched different forests <laughs> but i did think i was like snails though you don't think of like when you think of monsters in a forest you think of i don't know demons or boars bears like but not giant snails. Yeah. You guys have to see this tree. It's really creepy. I'm going to put pictures of it on our Instagram. Oh my gosh. Yeah, guys, we have social media now. We do. So you can find us at HMISpod on Instagram and Twitter and at Hold Me I'm Scared on Facebook. And we'll be posting some pics from our episodes and also... Um, just little tidbits about us and some promos once we make them. So stay tuned and keep an eye out and give us a follow. But listen, the woods, the forests, places of beauty, some might say. But sometimes it's a scary world out there. So hold on to the people you love. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. So thank you so much for listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And just a reminder that if you are struggling with suicidal thoughts, and there's always somebody to talk to, especially at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, their number is 1-800-273-8255. They are available 24 hours 
um, with multiple languages, and you can also always text HOME to 741741, which is a free crisis text line, so you don't have to talk to anyone verbally, um, because that can also be really stressful too. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you.